Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and a happy Monday, September 19th, the year 2022. How are you feeling after this weekend with your favorite team? Well, if you're a New Orleans Saints fan, you're not so good. That was, uh, that was not a pretty performance and lots of question marks in the air. If you're a raging Cajun, well... Every streak must come to an end, I guess. And, uh, boy, their offense struggled. Is there a quarterback controversy in Cajun land? Well, if you're a McNeese State Cowboy fan, second verse, same as the first. How many sacks can you possibly give up in a game? How many turnovers can you have? Well, the Cowboys still winless. But if you're an LSU Tiger fan, how sweet it is after a slow start. A defense that was really, really terrific. The offense started to kick it into gear, and the Tigers are now 1-0 and in the SEC. Let's get busy. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be near a television set in the Acadiana area, pop it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, he was reportedly injured. Jameis Winston played like he was hurt. Three interceptions, six sacks as the Saints lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and in in all likelihood his final game at the Superdome. Tom Brady answered the bell, and it's getting to be a little bit ridiculous. This Mike Evans-Marshawn-Lattimore rivalry adds another chapter with an on-field melee that got um, that got uh, Evans uh, suspended for one game. Should have been more. It was blatant. It was obvious. And we'll talk with Chris Rose for glue about all that that happened. Saints just turned the ball over too many times. The Mark Ingram fumble after the Saints were driving down the field, running it right down. That really good Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense, he fumbled, and that took all the air out of it. It just did. And then the Saints just started, you know, instead of playing football, they were, they just started chirping and chirping and chirping. They played right into the hands of Tampa Bay. The Saints had no pressure on Tom Brady late. He picked the Saints apart. And now the questions are running rampant. Is Jameis Winston capable? Are the Saints going to start looking for a quarterback in next year's NFL draft? Guess what? The answer to that question is absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Um, wow. Tua Tagovailoa. Whew, what a comeback for the ages as um, 
he found his two speedy wide receivers and just tore them apart. 469 passing yards, six touchdowns. Everybody thought Tua was out of it, couldn't play. Well, um, he sure looked like he was pretty good yesterday. Without question, without doubt, with his, um, man, his receiving core, Jalen Waddle. Whoo, what a speedster, huh? What a speedster. Um, that's a dangerous, dangerous lineup. He and Tyree Kill, they're pretty darn stinking good. Yes, indeed. The Cowboys snatched one away from Joe Burrow and company who started off slowly yet again. And for the second week in a row, the Bengals lost on the last play of the game. Meanwhile, for the LSU Tigers, um, what a defensive performance, so much so that Jay Ward and B.J. Ogilari were both honored by the Southeastern Conference today for their performance in LSU's 31-16 win over Mississippi State in Tiger Stadium. Ward plays both safety and nickelback as this week's SEC Defensive Player of the Week, while Ogilari was named the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. Um, man, the, the LSU defense held Mississippi State to nearly 200 yards below their season average. They also limited Mississippi State to just three of 14 on third down attempts and stopped the Bulldogs on fourth down three times. Will Rogers led the SEC in just about every category prior to that game. And after being down 13-zip, 13-7 at the half, LSU's offense outscored Mississippi State 24-3 to in the second half, including a 21-zip shutout in the fourth quarter. Ward had a career-best 11 tackles, one-and-a-half tackles for loss, and an interception. That INT came late in the fourth quarter and sealed the win. Ogilari was relentless, had four tackles, two-and-a-half tackles for loss, and one-and-a-half sacks. He added a pair of quarterback hurries. So next up for LSU, um, they're a 30-point favorite over former LSU associate athletic director, now the athletic director for the Lobos, Eddie Nunez. Tigers are going to pay the Lobos $1.6 million to come get a beatdown in Tiger Stadium. That's a 6.30 kickoff. Um, you, of course, can hear the game here. On 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. The Raging Cajuns, well, um, win streak came to a close. Uh, went to Rice and had no offense whatsoever to start with. And by the time things got started, it was a little bit too little, a little bit too late. And just wasn't. In the cards for the Raging Cajuns, uh, their worst performance in quite some time. And now the question is, what does Coach Desimo do about his quarterback position? Because Chandler Fields uh, looked uh, out of sync on Saturday, completed 7 of 14 passes for a mere 38 yards, a touchdown, and an ill-advised interception, his first of the season. And after that happened, he never could recover. For the second straight game, backup quarterback Ben Woolridge came in the ballgame. 
uh, delivered with better efficiency. His numbers weren't that great. He was 6 of 14 for 64 yards and no interceptions. So um, what, what's the story going to be uh, for this one? Stay tuned because the Cajuns now go into Sunbelt Conference play and they travel to Monroe to take on the ULM Warhawks. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, early in the third quarter against Rice, Jamarian Peterson drew a penalty that resulted in his ejection for the game for kicking a Rice player. So he lost his cool. He lost his ability to stay in the game. Um, so per the new NCAA rule this season, Peterson will be ineligible to play in the remainder of the game but can remain on the sidelines. So um, more on that. Meanwhile, the ooh, tough, tough sledding for the McNeese Cowboys. Um, they're just they're just having a difficult time. I thought, you know what? This is an opportunity um, against a SWAC team in America in Alcorn State, uh, but um, they they just they just couldn't get anything going, couldn't get anything done. They had no protection for their quarterback. They had they turned the ball over. Um, and it's um, it, it's been a difficult sledding for for the McNeese Cowboys. So we'll have all these stories and much much more uh, coming your way today with our with our litany of guests. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, other than that, um, just uh, just quiet, just quiet. SEC football. Georgia looks like they are still. Um, the juggernaut that they are, uh, nobody seems to be able to get in their way. And it sets up for quite the showdown down the road with, uh, with Alabama. Yeah, with Alabama. Kentucky was a winner. Missouri was a winner. We did have one firing outside of the SEC, and that's Herm Edwards at Arizona State. He is the next quarterback to go. And after what happened... At Auburn, Penn State demoralized Auburn 41-12. to Brian Harson, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when he's going to get the boot. Vandy improved again with another win, 38-28 to right? over Northern Iowa. Um, and everybody else in the SEC, Florida had to hold on for dear life with a 31-28 win over USF. Texas A&M bounced back with a 17-9 win over Miami. So relatively calm and quiet around the SEC. Week one, week two of the NFL concludes tonight with a double header, and you can get even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You can bet $5 on any football game, get $200 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Monday afternoon quarterback edition. We've got the Saints, the Tigers, the Cajuns, the Cowboys. We'll discuss it all. And we begin first with Chris Roseverglue talking the Saints as they fall to one up, one down. And next time, uh, they'll be in Carolina to take on the Panthers. So Saints talk when we return. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the red-hot Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we begin this uh, Monday afternoon quarterback edition with the New Orleans Saints, fresh off of a very disappointing 20-10 to 10 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Caesars Superdome. Chris Roseverglue is our, our expert analyst. He's a writer for At The Spun by At SI Now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media. Um, Chris, thank you for the time. Where do we begin with this one? Oh, there's so many ways and so many directions we can go with this one. Uh, we can go with the offense looking flat for most of the game. We can go with the fact that there was that weird scrum going on, the turnover problem that they had. So many directions, but I think the main takeaway coming out of this one is it felt like the Saints offense was flat early, and then when things got a little tight late, they kind of pressed and made some mistakes. And that's kind of the main takeaway I've gotten out of this loss to the Bucks. Um, should Jameis Winston have played? I mean, they're talking about all this stuff in his back. Should he have played at all? You, you know, I mean, this is one of those things where it's easy for us to kind of look like, you know, after the game and say he probably should have sat and they could have played Andy Dalton. And honestly, with the way the game went, think about it, 3-3 for most of the game. If anything, 3 nothing for most of the game. Then it became 3-3. Yep. Three, three, and even with seven minutes left, there was only 10-3 Tampa Bay. So, this game by no means necessary was ever going to become a shootout. It was abundantly clear. And honestly, there were moments where Jameis Winston had open men down the field, whether it was Chris Olave, there were some moments where he had Michael Thomas, and there were some inaccuracy concerns. And I don't know if that was the discomfort with his back. I'd imagine that played a role. It can't be uh, easy pickings when you're dealing with four broken vertebrae in your back. But uh, whatever reason it may be, as much credit as Jameis Winston deserves for toughing it out against the Falcons, you go into this game, you see how it unfolded, and you wonder – could they have gone to Dalton to kind of just manage their way into field goal range a couple of times here and there? It's a question that we'll ask for you know at least the next couple of days till they play Carolina. So it's a good question. I'm curious to see how he does in terms of his recovery period. Does he feel better? I know they said this is an injury that he can't really make worse, which is great to hear. But you know Sunday's performance wasn't exactly encouraging. Chris Rosevoglu with us. Um, I thought you know, everybody talks about the the fight and all that kind of stuff, and we'll delve into that a little bit. Man, that Brandon, uh, that Ingram fumble after the Saints were were 
marching down the field and running it down uh, the throats of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, that was critical. I th- that was a touchdown drive if I ever saw one, and boom, the fumble. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Dennis Allen talked about it after the game, said it was a momentum killer, and I kind of think that was him putting it nicely because that's one of those drives where it's second half, you know, a touchdown there to put the Saints up 10-3. I'm not saying that's game, Jordy, but that puts the Buccaneers in a really tough spot. They weren't moving the ball all day, and knowing that you need a touchdown, that puts even more pressure on that Tampa Bay offense. And like you said, the Saints were moving. They had everything they wanted on that drive. They had short passes. They had nice runs from Tony Jones Jr., from uh, Dwayne Washington, from Mark Ingram. And then that fumble happens, and the worst part is it happened after Mark Ingram got a big game. You know, he gets the first down and more. They're way inside the red zone at this point, and that's the second week in a row that he's fumbled. And last week's fumble wasn't exactly one that you look at it in the grand scheme of things and say it was costly. This fumble, though, you can make a very big argument that when you're listing the reasons why the Saints lost, that has to be in the top three to five reasons as to why they came out with the loss. Uh, on Sunday, such a critical mistake, and for Mark Ingram, you got to hope that he figures this out because I think one more fumble or two, and the Saints have to consider maybe the uh, motion in terms of the role that they're giving him. I'm with you, Chris Rose or Glue with us. Okay, um, so Tom Brady goes down the field looking for pass interference, uh, and Marshawn Lattimer walks past him and says something to Brady, like waves or like like shut up, old man, whatever. Tom Brady turned around, said something back to him, started walking toward him. It's for what I'm watching on television. And then Mike Evans comes, as he typically does, um, and sucker punches an unsuspecting player like he always does. He's such he's so cowardly. Um, and, you know, and then the brouhaha begins and sus- Mike Evans suspended just a game by the NFL. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I talked about it yesterday. I, I, the problem I have with this whole Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore thing is we know it's a rivalry. We know they don't like each other. And honestly, sometimes rivalries are good for the NFL. I think it's good to see that there actually is bad blood. I think it adds a little bit of spice and intrigue to this, this matchup. But at some point when you're Mike Evans, if you're going to hit Marshawn Lattimore, and I'm not condoning anyone hitting someone else, at least have the courage to do it in front of his face because that's Thank twice you. now that he's taken a cheap shot and. I'm going to be honest, you know, Jordy, when I watched that play unfold, I remember the first time he did it back in 2017, I believe, and I thought that was egregious. For him to do it again when he knows he shouldn't be, even worse, and, and people might think that, you know, this is a sensitive kind of opinion and reaction to this. I think about Nuggets' heat earlier this, this past season. Jokic hit Morris when he wasn't looking. Morris missed the rest of the season with whiplash. So it's not, yeah. you know, a joking matter where, you know, he shoved and nothing can come out of it. He could get seriously hurt. Like, it's a legit problem, and uh, I, the fact that Lattimore got ejected, I couldn't understand it. I'm not sure how a guy who got shoved and then, you know, uh, sucker punched pretty much gets ejected from that game. I don't understand it. And what was weird to me was after the game when Mike Evans and Leonard Fernando you know, being asked about it, they brought up a different story as if none of us saw what just unfolded on TV. We all saw how that whole yeah. kind of skirmish went down. So I think it's incredibly frustrating. I'm glad that the NFL didn't suspend Marshawn Lattimore because – there was no reason for that, but that ejection proved costly. Mike Evans was not really a factor in yesterday's game at all, and, of course, that's the Marshawn Lattimore effect. And on the other side of the coin, Lattimore was playing outstanding football, a couple of pass breakups in that game. So yeah. losing him, we saw immediately how much of a factor that played. Uh, Chris, turnovers were a major major problem, obviously. Um, and the fact that the Saints, for whatever reason, 
couldn't get any pressure on Tom Brady. And you give him enough time, like like what happened late in the ball game, he's just too good. He's going to beat you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing is, there were moments where Marcus Davenport was so close. And I, I credit Tom Brady for getting the ball out quick. I think it came out to 2.3 seconds between snap and throw. And he was doing a really good job of making sure he wasn't going to take any hits. And, you know, it, it's one of those weird spots, right? Because I'd love to tell you that I wish they got after Brady more and they brought him down on the ground. And then the other side of me is like, hey, they had him at three points for pretty much this whole game till the very end. And, it's almost tough to fault the defense. But I'll say this, Jordy, about the defensive line. If they go into the Carolina Panthers game and they struggle to get pressure on Baker Mayfield, then I'm going to have a little bit of a concern about what this unit can do moving forward because that's the type of offensive line and the type of quarterback that I think they should get after. I think Baker Mayfield yeah. second-guesses stuff. And I'll give them a pass. You know, Brady's one, he's one of the all-time greats, and you know how to get that ball out fast. But we all know through the last three years, if you're going to beat Brady, you got to put him on the floor. And the Saints were unable to do that. Chris, the Saints offense struggled in week one against Atlanta. They found some late magic and to steal that one. Very fortunate to do that. Uh, and their offense, once again, was very, very stagnant in this one. Look, Tampa Bay's defense is good. No question about that. But what what what's going to happen here? Um, the defensive effort kind of went to waste because the offense is just not carrying its load. Absolutely. And you know what, Jordy, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Buccaneers thing because if someone wants to come to us there and say, hey, you know, the Bucs have a great defense, they're absolutely right. I think this is a unit that will finish top 10. Todd Bowles has them playing outstanding football. But, you know, you look at it, you know, the Falcons game, if it wasn't for a magical 12-minute run that they had, we're talking about the Saints being 0-2. We're talking about this offense struggling for all eight quarters that they've played, not just seven of them. And I think the main takeaway through the first two weeks when I think about the offense is I don't know what their identity is. They're not running the football particularly well. When they do run the football well, it seems like they then strain away from it. They don't really have a quick passing game that you'd like to see them have with the weapons they do acquire in Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave. So the passing game is just all over the place right now. That seems to get in this funk where the second and third quarter, they can't get anything going. And, uh, you know, maybe it's the early weeks of the early parts of the season where they're trying to figure out who they are offensively, but they got to figure it out fast because once you get through September, you got games against the Vikings. You have games against yeah. the Bengals and the Ravens. And those are not going to be easy matchups. And those are going to be matchups where your offense, like you mentioned, they have to carry their loads because if not, you can't put pressure on the defense to, to, you know, hold down these electric quarterbacks and keep them off the scoreboard. That's just unsustainable. So I think for the Saints, I'm not saying it's necessarily panic time just yet, but the sense of urgency next week, Ooh. it better be at an all time high. Four of 13, third down conversions. Uh, two weeks into the season, the Saints offense has put together one, one out of eight solid quarters. And that was the fourth quarter against the Falcons. And for the other seven quarters, my gosh, I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, but man alive, it's I, I'm I'm starting to, I mean, my finger's on the button. I haven't pushed it yet, but, but I am. I am on the button. I, I don't know what, what is going to do. And, of course, this brings up the big question of uh, the quarterback position. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say uh, push the panic button on that, but the, the, the cameras are on, man, and the, and the clock is ticking. Jameis has to play better. Just has to. Yeah, and, and at the very least, you know, and, and for people who think it's unfair, 
I think that's just part of the quarterback position, right? You know, last yes. week, you know, Jordy, we were talking about how well he played in the fourth quarter. But we got to be fair and, and say what's fair. When he struggles like he did yesterday, then we have to mention that. And I think part of the reason why, if we're going to talk about should the hand be on the panic button, should it be time to be urgent, they can't waste another year of great defense. That would be so frustrating to see a unit just play out of their minds and be a top-10 unit and, and shut down opposing offenses just to lose games and in ways that they really shouldn't. That would be you know, a complete mess. And I think the only way I can see them absolutely fixing it, and there's other ways they can fix this offense. I just have to see it to believe it. But the easy fix, I think, is dialing up more targets for Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, I sat yeah. there last night. Instead of watching Bears-Packers, I rewatched this Saints-Buccaneers game. And every single time that they needed a conversion or just needed to move the chains, Michael Thomas was open. He just didn't get enough targets. And I know people look back and say, well, Chris, you got nine targets. I can argue with you, you should have had 15 targets yesterday. I, I think he looks that good this early in the season. And yeah. I, I think for Jameis Winston, good, you know, I think about what Bridgewater said when he replaced Drew Brees for five games. All completions are good. And I know Jameis wants to make the big play, and he's got the arm to do it, and, and I want to see him connect to Chris Olave. Those are going to be exciting plays later this year. But – it's okay to take the checkdowns. The checkdowns are your friends sometimes. Just move the chains. Make it third and manageable. And late in the game, I thought he was pressed a little bit when there were moments that instead of a second and 15 forcing it, settle for third and seven, third and six. Make life a little bit easier for yourself. Live to see another down. And I think if he does that, yeah. I think they'll make life a little bit more easier for themselves. Well, they tried to get it downfield deep to Chris Olave, and he just kept missing and missing. I overthrew him uh, so many times. It's one of those one of those deals. So now the Carolina Panthers, you mentioned that. Um, boy, it's uh you better win this one, I think. I know it's on the road. I know it's gonna be difficult, but uh the Saints, they've got some they've got some work to do, uh drawing board material. Pete Carmichael and company, they need to figure something out in a hurry. And maybe maybe Alvin Kamara coming back will certainly can hurt, can help, I mean, but um there's more to it. They're not able to run the ball very well, but when they did Right, Mark Ingram coughed it up a couple of times. Uh, crazy, 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 and uh, just another. Everybody said we miss we miss um, C.J. Gardner Johnson. He'd have been all in that thing with that fray, right? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I thought about that when it happened yesterday. I, I was wondering, you know, if Gardner Johnson was still there. That scroll might have been dialed up to an 11 if it wasn't already at an 11. So yeah. that, that, that's where you kind of miss him. You miss that energy in those moments, but. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and he's another guy where you talk about urgency and setting the tone for a week three coming off a loss. That's the type of guy you'd want in your locker room. Unfortunately, he's not there, but I hate to say must win. I hate throwing that label around, but week three, I'm with division you. game, Carolina coming off two losses, especially a loss against the Giants where I thought they were outcoached by a mile. They better win week three. I, that, that's all I have to say about that one. That's for sure. I am with you 100%. Chris, thank you so much. A doubleheader of Monday Night Football tonight. We'll try and flush this one and go back to the drawing board and see what happens next Sunday at Carolina. Thank you so much as always, my friend. Great talking with you. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. All right, Chris. Rolls for the glue with us. Um, Yeah, that was not pretty. Again, NFL second week of the season wraps up tonight with Monday Night Football. Jordan Jefferson, oh, he's so good. And the Minnesota Vikings take on the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly. Pre-game begins at 7. Kickoff is set for 7.30. You can listen to all the action live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. There's a game just a few minutes before that. Well, it's 6.15. 
Uh, Tennessee is at Buffalo. So a little double dip of uh, Monday night football tonight. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. Some good news. LSU wins. Tigers beat Mississippi State. Glenn West will join me as we recap it all here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the uh, 2-1, and 1-0 in SEC play, LSU Tigers. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. And we are back as the old cliche that we use so often. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that kind of sums up LSU's 31-16 win over Mississippi State. Impressive indeed. Glenn West, kind enough to join us as he does each and every Monday. Big guy, thank you for your time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I am good. Um, Didn't start off well, 13-zip. Um, some self-inflicted wounds there in the first period, uh, of a much needed score right before the half. And then all of a sudden the defense took over the offense, got it going in the, in the fourth quarter. And that was all she wrote. Uh, what was the most impressive thing to you Saturday night? Yeah, I think you kind of have to start with the defense. You know, I yeah. thought that performance kind of coming into the year or coming into this game, uh, was really going to be the, the the big talking point leaving was whether or not the secondary would be able to hold up right. uh, against Mississippi State's passing arsenal. Um, and those guys did a tremendous job. I mean, Jarek Bernard Converse, Jay Ward won the defensive player of the week uh, for the SEC this year or this week because of his performance. Um, you know, Makai Gardner had a couple nice pass breakups. He was pretty solid in man coverage. Um, and that allowed LSU to be more uh, – you know, uh, discipline with their, with their, uh, with their uh, pressures, you know, they were able to pressure Mississippi state for much of that game. And I think a lot of it had to do with how the, the secondary was able to hold up. And and it was just a really um, near flawless, uh, honestly, uh, performance from the defense. Uh, is it ironic that the turning point in the game was a muffed punt after what LSU went through against Florida state? And how about, Super Slade Roy, who is the snapper, first down the field, and he recovers the darn thing. Yeah, I mean, look, special teams have been kind of the unsung uh, catalyst, I guess, with this team through the <laughs> good, bad, and indifferent. And, yeah, yeah, and and every pretty much every possible way. I mean, you couldn't ask for worse special teams performance. I think in that Florida State game. Um, you balance it out with a, a really nice game against Southern, a f- pretty flawless game against Southern. And then you get, you know, you, you have kind of the, the good, the good plays and the bad plays, you know, against, uh, against Mississippi state, you know, I think the catching the ball inside your own five yard line, that's something that needs to be coached up uh, on the punt return. Right. Um, but, you know, in the same breath, you know, they were able to get that, that play there in the, in the third, fourth quarter area where you know, they were able to jump on it and, and, and go get the go ahead score on that possession. So, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad, but you hope that it can turn into more good, I guess, uh, moving forward. Okay. Um, any word on what happened to Anthony Bradford? He, the starting right guard was, was out for the game. And that means Emory Jones, the freshman from Catholic high moved to right tackle. Miles Frazier slid over to the right guard spot. So now you got, your two tackles are both freshmen, Will Campbell and Emory Jones. Emory Jones did pretty good, but anywhere, what happened to Bradford? 
Uh, I think there was some discipline stuff there. What was going on with Bradford? He was suspended for this game. Um, it was a, a team thing, okay. um, but he should be available. Um, we asked Coach Kelly that today. That was one of the things he told us he'll be available this week. Uh, but he's going to have a hard time earning that spot back. I mean, uh, Emery Jones did a fantastic job at right tackle. I thought Will Campbell held up nicely at left tackle as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really aside from the penalties, the blocking – was really, really, really good for LSU in this game. I mean, their pass protection, Jaden Daniels had a lot of time to throw the ball, uh, make go through his decision-making process, and then uh, you know, he was able to also uh, you know, run for almost 100 yards in this game as well. So uh, I thought the offensive line really did a nice job. You know, they opened up a couple holes in the run game late in, later in the you know, third, yeah. fourth quarter area. And that was one of the questions that I had coming into today for Coach Kelly was, you know, what was the big – you know, takeaway, I guess, and why LSU was able to to really dominate in those third and fourth quarters. And it was the conditioning. He, he yeah. said conditioning was really good uh, for this team. He kind of looked at, you know, what his players were, were going through on the fourth quarter and what Mississippi State was. And he, he could tell that LSU, I think, had an advantage there in that fourth quarter because of their conditioning. And LSU was able to go out and outscore the Bulldogs 21 nothing in that fourth quarter and take, you know, total control of that game. 206 yards on the ground, an average of 5.4 yards a pop, of course, led by Jaden Daniels, who um, had 93 yards. They were actually at 107. He had 14 yards and losses uh, for a net gain of, uh, of 93. Let's talk about Daniels because his passing, he was 22 of 37, his most um, uninspiring completion percentage for the season. Uh, and and so many people are starting to bring up the fact that he's at his best when they up tempo and he's got to get the ball out of his hand quickly. When he sits back there, he very seldom, according to people that that I trust um, that are there and watching closely, he stares down receivers and it's it's hard for him to go through progressions. And if that first receiver's not open, man, he's tucking it and he's going. Something he's got to improve on. Yeah, it's a balancing act for sure. It's actually one of the pieces that I'm working on right now for the site is just oh, what, what yeah, what LSU is kind of wanting to teach him in game and, and how they're looking to operate, you know, how he goes through his progressions in game. You know, Coach Kelly really takes kind of the the tactical advantage, you know, kind of the tactical voice in, in Jaden's ear throughout the course of the game, whereas quarterbacks coach Joe Sloan is much more conceptual and talking about what, you know, the next player, the next series needs to happen. Um, but, you know, within the game, you know, he – what Jaden really has to kind of learn how to do is knowing when to tuck and run or when to mm-hmm. escape the pocket but keep his eyes downfield for the open receiver. And I think that's kind of the the balancing act because LSU does want him to run. I mean, there's a reason that he's starting there. Uh, they want him to use his mobility to move the sticks, and he was able to do that. Um, but there were also a couple plays last week where he escaped the pocket and he just missed an open receiver downfield, whether it was an overthrow or he just didn't see him. So um, that's kind of the balancing act they're looking for for him, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And we'll see how much of a, a upgrade he can have in that department moving forward. They'll pay uh, New Mexico $1.6 to beat up on them. Uh, and then they, they get to go on the road. Um, it's at Auburn. I think that's a 7 o'clock game or – I think it's a six o'clock game. Six I think o'clock, it came six out o'clock central. Yeah. Question yeah. is, is Brian Harson still going to be the coach by then? Who knows? Because it's, uh, it's just a question of when, not if. I'm not saying Daniels shouldn't run. I think he's tremendous. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, 
but boy, they need to up tempo it. But back to the defense, Will Rogers was completing nearly 78% of his passes. I think he got about 54, 55% completion percentage against LSU. The rush was great, which provided, gave the secondary time to, they didn't have to cover very long. It just all works in unison. Yeah. I mean, Matt House called a really perfect game, yes. game plan. He did a really nice job. I love the way that they use Harold Perkins. Uh, mm-hmm. The true freshman had a really nice night. Um, you know, they, 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 they did some things that I think can work. You know, I think the, the biggest move that they made in the secondary was switching uh, Jay Ward and Greg Brooks, which was something I think we touched on last week was right. kind of the plan. Um, and, you know, Brooks is kind of more of a traditional safety and, and, and they really like what Ward can do in that nickel corner spot and slot there uh, being kind of a taller, you know, more physical corner. Uh, and he was able to make some really big plays for him. I, I really liked what he did. Uh, Ojalary had two and a half sacks. I mean, you had uh, Jacqueline Roy and Makai Wingo doing a nice job in the run game. He gave up two long runs, and that was really the only uh, offense that Mississippi State had the entire night. I mean, they kept everything in front of them uh, in the passing game. I mean, uh, Rodgers threw the ball, I think think nearly 50 times, and he only had, you know, 214, 215 yards Mm -hmm. passing. I mean, that's just really incredible work by the secondary and um, yeah, it was just a really complete performance. And I think it's one of those one of those games where you can look at as a defense and say, hey, if we can do this week in and week out, we can be competitive in a lot of games this year and give ourselves a chance to win. I am so glad that I was wrong in my prediction because I thought State would win. I just I didn't know the defense could, uh, could play like that. And thank goodness uh, they did. Now, We thought the key, again, was LSU had to run the football, and they did effectively. There's no question about that. But I still get worried down the road. Jaden Daniels, 16 rushes. He's not the biggest guy. I know he's tough. He's not the biggest. But, man, they got to get Emory and Goodwin and Williams. They got to get them more touches and, and be more effective, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions that I didn't get a chance to ask him was, uh, or Coach Kelly today was, you know, what happened with Noah Kane? Why was he kind of dis- yeah, kind yeah. of out of the rotation? And yeah, I think for for LSU, they they liked what they've gotten out of Goodwin the first couple weeks. I think they wanted to give uh, Emory a, a good good games work um, in terms of his first game back getting hit a little bit, um, and he he did well as the game progressed. You know, there was some. Uh, Coach Kelly told us today it was some rust they needed to knock off with him. But mm-hmm. um, I think as the game went on, he was able to unwind a little bit. And he he made a, a, a much bigger impact, I think, in the third and fourth quarters for LSU. So that's something that's good to see. I'll be interested if they continue to expand Emory's role. I think he had 13 touches in that game. Um, that's that's a lot of touches. I mean, he had 11 carries yeah. and he had, I think, a couple catches a couple as of well. Passes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you know, how much more do they want to extend his workload in a game? I'm not sure because I do think Armani Goodwin's been very solid as well. Um, and if you can get a nice balance with those two, um, you know, where 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 is the extra workload for a guy like Noah Kane or, or Josh Williams? Right. I mean, there's uh, there, there's some talent here in this running back room, and it's just about getting some consistency out of that group. And you're right, not having to rely so much on Jaden Daniels. Daniels, 300 yards of total offense, a couple of touchdowns, week in, week out. He keeps he keeps getting recognized. He keeps getting noticed. Um, I, he's been really impressive, man. He really, really has. Um, I, I, you know, turn him loose, man. Turn him loose. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, another thing that they're going to have to do is, you know, they, they, they found a rapport there with, with Malik neighbors. And that was the Malik neighbors that we saw yes. really all of fall camp. Um, and, and we got a chance to really see him in the late third, you know, most of the fourth quarter really, you know, show, you know, kind of why he's been, you know, so highly regarded this off season. And I think that can do a number of things. It can not only, uh, be a good uh, kind of safety valve for Jaden, you know, when he, when things break down, but it could open up the game for a guy like Kayshawn, who's had a little bit of a slower start to this year, because I think defenses are keying up so much on booty that they really right. want that, that that it's allowed neighbors to have some success. And so if defenses kind of moving forward, look at this as a two, two horse race where if you got to pick your poison, you know, I think it could open up the field a little bit more for guys like Boutte and, uh, and, and Jack Bash when he gets healthy and, um, and Brian Thomas and Chris Hilton and Jure Jenkins, who's been really consistent. So, um, you know, having a, another really stud receiver who's given you some consistency, I think can do a lot for this passing game. You can only play so many players. You mentioned Jack Bash. I just got a text message. Ask Glenn, what's up with Jack Bash? He's, he's hardly, he's disappeared. Yeah, so he's been kind of dealing with a little bit of a stress fracture in his leg. Uh, that's kind of something that cropped up on him in the fall. Right. Um, and they were limiting his reps early in the season. Um, and I, I'm just not sure he's right yet. I think they they, they want to be careful with this injury. I don't think it's got anything to do with the staff losing faith in him as a receiver. Okay. Um, I think they just want to get him healthy and get him right because he can be another part of this offense, you know, in the middle of the field that, we saw last year he can be pretty dynamic there. Um, and so I do think it's just about getting him right, uh, finding the right opportunities to get him in and, and, and have him make an impact. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think last week was a little bit more of an aberration for him in terms of just not playing as much. I think you'll see a lot more of him moving forward. So the game ball's got to go to the defense, right? They took a juggernaut of an offense, held them 200 yards below their per-game average. Their quarterback was never all that effective. Uh, they held them way down in the scoring category, which is, to me, always the most important stat line there is. Yep. So give the game ball to LSU's defense. Absolutely. I think Matt House actually got the game ball after the yep. game. Uh, it was Jaden Daniels and Matt House both got game balls and uh, very much deserved. I mean, when you th this Mississippi State offense, just no joke, is one of the best that LSU will face all season long. They got veteran presence out the wazoo on that offense in, in, in Starkville. And for LSU's defense to hold them to under 300 yards for the total game, um, that that was extremely impressive and not, and something that I don't think many saw coming. I mean, that was as you know, you know, uh, disciplined a performance as you could have hoped for uh, from that defense. That's really got a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces trying to gel, and it was a a, a big momentum uh, momentum step forward for those guys. Well, New Mexico's better than Southern, but this is a game to help out old uh, former associate AD Eddie Nunez, who's now the athletic director at New Mexico. Give him the paycheck, help him out a little bit, and uh, hopefully play a lot of people, stay healthy, and get ready to go on the road. You never know what to expect in the Plains. Never. That's true. Yeah, this is this is going to be a, a big game in terms of just getting out of there healthy. You know, I think LSU, um, you know, if there's – a couple guys that got banged up throughout the course of that sit game them. last week. You might just want to sit them. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what happened with Ojalary and Southern, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. And you saw the bounce back performance he had, you know, this last weekend against yeah. Mississippi State. So um, if there's a couple incidents like that, you know, I think 
it's going to be a big opportunity for a lot of the young guys on this roster. You know, if you're able to go out there and build a big lead, I'll be interested to see if uh, Nussmeyer gets a second shot and, and, oh, and yeah. if he can be a little bit more disciplined with his you know decision making. And um, you know, so that this will be another one of those games I think where you're looking at a lot of the future of the program uh, getting some opportunities. The future looks bright on the offensive line with those two uh, freshmen on the uh, yes. on the outside with the tackles. Glenn West, go to four seven sports. You're the best. Mondays are great with you, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. All right, time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live and in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa by the Bay Saturday, October first. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark, hotel accommodations. That's Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway. Of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Back to wrap up hour number one next. From game and concert tickets to restaurant gift certificates, you can score big by joining the game clubhouse. Go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, welcome back on this Monday edition of the Jordy Helford Show. Still to come, we talked Saints, we talked Tigers. Still to come, we got to talk about the Cajuns. Their win streak has come to an end. A tough loss over in Houston against Rice. And the McNeese Cowboys still winless. They lose to Alcorn State in the first night game in McNeese in many, many a moon. Uh, Jim Gazzola will join us for that and much, much more coming your way. Hour number two. The Monday's edition brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, and it's 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you cannot shop right at ShopRite, dude, I'm just telling you, you can't shop right at all. Hour number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Helper Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two and away we go a day after we saw the Saints get beat up by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20 to 10. Two days after LSU with a with a really rousing second half to beat Mississippi State and um, not a good day for McNeese and not a good day for the raging Cajuns as they go to Houston and Rice rolled up 449 offensive yards in route to a 33-22 win. I don't know where I've been lately, but Gerald Broussard is my go-to guy, and I I just uh, been, fell asleep at the wheel. Of course, the, the former Cajun, the former Cajun coach, and now the color analyst for the Raging Cajuns on the UL Radio Network. And, uh, Gerald, I, 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 I apologize. I don't know what I was thinking, but it's so great to have you back again for your expert analysis, buddy. How have you been? It's good to hear your voice, Jordan. Good to visit with you. You know, we get to speak during the year, and then we go. It seems like a whole year before we talk again. No, I've been I've been really good, and uh, kind of you know having to go through something I hadn't had to go through in a while. That's a Cajun loss, so that that yeah. part of it's been a little bit rough. But other than that, I'm doing good. All right, so let's cut to the chase. Is there a quarterback issue now 
um, on campus because it seems like Chandler Fields gets things going and eh, of late it hasn't been that great. And then Ben, ben Woolridge comes in and um, he seems to ignite this club. Does Coach Des have a decision to make here? I, I think he does. And I think that, the, you know, the, the, he'll handle that in his own way, just, right. you know, whether he says that there is or not. But, you know, I, I think right now is, is in some of the stuff, Chandler had some opportunities early in the game where a couple of his teammates didn't maximize the, their chance to, to make plays for him. And he's had that happen in, in the last couple of games, to be honest, Jordy. But, but there, there is something, you know, when when Ben comes off, Ben comes out, hits the field with a little enthusiasm and excitement, and has a, a couple times he's played. And he's played in every game, and, uh-huh. and it was not a it, I, I, it was not an easy decision to make between the two of them. It, it, you know, they both competed real hard for it, but uh, you see a little bit of a spark. But it's I, I I say what I say, and then you know I think if Ben's numbers were a little better, it may be a little more obvious, and so it's it's still somebody hopefully will be able to generate the offense and get it moving because to this point, it's been a struggle with both of yeah. them and the cases really haven't been able to, to do the things offensively that they've been able to do in the past as far as like being physical. It's just, they just haven't been able to do it. Gerald Broussard with us. Uh, the Cajuns lose to Rice 33-21, snapping the uh, nation's longest winning streak, but they led 14-13 at the half thanks to Three first-half interceptions by the Cajun defense. Uh, what happened after that? Because it seemed to go downhill from there. Well, and I think, it, and we talked about it a week before with, with Eastern Michigan coming in to Cajun Field, and the humidity took its toll on the Eastern Michigan team, and then and, and mm-hmm. humidity, tend, I don't want to say took its toll on the Cajun defense, but they were, I, well, I, I guess I am saying that. They were out there yeah. a while, and, and yeah. you know, the, uh, the Cajuns did have the lead, but one of the, the touchdowns was scored by the defense. Georgia, the Cajuns didn't have 100 yards of offense until the fourth quarter. And so, you know, the defense was out there a long time, was having to play a bunch of snaps. Rice does some things that are different. The staff at Rice came from Stanford. And so they are a one-back, four-wide spread team that will go into a two-back with a traditional fullback, a two-back, two-tight-end formation type deal. And then they're going to sit out there with the, um, uh, one of their receivers, who's a McCaffrey kid, Ed's son, who had started at Nebraska, and right. he's got some range to him. And the other receiver they would bring in would be a six-five guy. So they could go spread with, with the little speed people, and then they would go really big. Uh, they were a huddle-up team, which you don't see a lot, and they were also a downhill under center team from time to time, too. So they gave you some things that were just uh, very different, and I think they got a feel for the Cajuns. And to be honest, their quarterback started taking better care of the football. T.J. McMahon started the season as a backup for him, ended up uh, coming in against Southern Cal and played the whole game against McNeese. But um, he he was he, you could see that that he, every now and then he'd get a little loose with the football, and, and the Cajuns did a good job catching it when it's thrown to him. But uh, second half, he, he took a lot better care of the football and let his players make plays. And to be honest, I think they just wore down the Cajun defense just from the, the sheer volume of snaps that they got in. You're being very kind. Uh, time of possession, 42 minutes for Rice, 18 minutes for the Cajuns, 42 to 18. And the uh, Rice only punted once in the game, and that was on their first possession. So, yeah. Um, yeah. They, yeah, they got worn down. There's no question. 
Yeah, I mean, it, and it was either turn them over and take the ball away, or they were going to they were going to score. And so it just it, it made for a chore. And look, it was it was thick. There was actually a, a weather. I mean, there was a lightning delay, or we were going to be in a lightning delay uh, before the game started, but the, the weather cleared out of there, and it just got real steamy. And and I don't know if you've ever been to Rice Stadium. It's a massive stadium. It's hosted the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Eight was actually played there. Really? Uh, and it, but, it, yeah, it, it's bowled in. I mean, it seats almost 80,000. Look, Rice has only got 3,500 kids in their underbody student population. So it's a private school, a small school. Uh, and it's in the middle of a neighborhood, so you don't even know this big monster is there. But uh, you know, and it, 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 but everything is kind of in a bowl, and it, it sits in it. It gets real steamy and stuffy, and and but you know, okay, I, I I coached with a guy whose dad was a high school coach, and then our defensive coach at that time for when I was coaching offense, man, y'all got to keep the ball and keep us off the field. And my my coaching buddy's dad stepped in there. He said, "Well, you you control how much you want to play." He said, "You can let them score. You can take the ball away, or you can stop them making punt." And so you know. Cajuns just weren't able to do it. Rice did a good job on third down. Uh, and look, it just Rice was the better team that night, and, and I sure didn't predict that going in, though. Yeah. Um, Gerald Broussard with us. I think it's, I think it's human nation, uh, nature, Gerald. I really do. And I'm not saying um, that Chandler Fields can't handle pressure and any stretch of the imagination, but with every three and out, uh, with every drive that's, it's got to be in the back of his mind going, Oh gosh, um, I'm not, I'm not doing my job well enough. And here comes the, the backup is going to come in here and he's playing well and I'm going to lose my job. It's just human nature. I'm very curious as a former quarterback, how coach Daz handles this because it's fragile egos. That's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it really is. And look, it's different at quarterback than it is at other positions because there's only one. You know, I, I played tackle, and it, and I actually played guard and tackle and, and really would start the game at, at, at tackle. But if I didn't want to come out and they'd send my backup in, I'd go to left guard and, and, and just <laughs> yeah, I'd get that guy out. And so I'm uh-huh. not ready to go to the bench just yet. And my offensive line coach used to get mad at me, but – I told him, I said, Coach, I was a senior and I only had so many snaps left in me, and I just wanted to maximize them. But, but you know, there's, you can't do that at quarterback. You, can, there, there, you know, you play with three, four, five, uh, two, three, four, five receivers sometimes. You can't do that at quarterback. They'll play one or two runs. You can't do that at quarterback. So if things aren't going good and you feel the and you said it, George, that you feel that pressure and you yeah. try and force that issue to try and make a play and look for a play. And, and uh, I mean, uh, Jordan, when, when you were playing you know, basketball and stuff, you know, you know you're capable of making a shot. But if you miss two, three in a row, sometimes some people are looking at, man, I just I got to get a gimme. I got to get a good one just yep. to get back in the field. Yep. So, and, the, and the good ones have no conscience. They don't worry about it because they just they, – they're going to keep shooting anyway. Well, kind of right. like a quarterback, you know, if, yep. if, if you – but that's hard. <laughs> it's just hard to be yep. that confident in it. And we all say it. We all say the right thing. How you react to it is totally different, though. No question. I mean, that's that's a tough that's a tough line for a coach. He wants to keep them both in there. He wants to keep them both ready, and uh, it's tough. So, 
They hadn't suffered a loss since falling to Texas in the opening game of the 2021 season. Um, they went 13 straight last year. They got two wins to start off this season, 15 games in all, the longest in the nation by seven games going into the weekend. Now that all comes to a screeching halt. So now how do you handle adversity as now you're getting ready to start league play and you're going on the road against a UL Monroe team that, of course, got got their big paycheck and got, got a got beat down by Alabama. Yeah, and that's their second big check. And so, you know, ULM yep. has, has played a couple of uh, money games, and then they played yep. Nichols. And, you know, I, I was looking at ULM a little bit uh, when we got – now, we got back a little bit late, Jordy, so to be honest, I, I, I wasn't able to make 8 o'clock, man. I had to wait to go till 10. I slept a little bit. Didn't, didn't get to bed till about 3 in the morning. But, but you know, with that being said, though, I, I did watch a little ULM and – and I've seen a couple games on them. And just going through prepping my call sheet and stuff, the one thing you notice about ULM is they're very young. Uh, you know, And yeah. I'm talking about young, young. Soft freshmen and sophomores in there. They have very few seniors and, and, and hardly any graduates, which, you know, we played Eastern Michigan a couple weeks ago, Jordan. They were all graduates. And so it, this is a young ULM team. So sometimes you, when you're young, you don't know no better. So you just go and you just play. And, and they're, they're playing a lot of players in there. I know that they're going to come off of the game with Alabama and not have a true uh, indication of who they are. But I, I think that, you know, with those guys getting to play in time and then opening up conference and opening up conference at home to a vulnerable, in their eyes, Louisiana team, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure it'll be some confidence for them getting, you know, being able to say that it's their first conference home game to host. But, but, you know, adversity reveals character. And so we're going to find out a lot about yeah. this Cajun team here because, you know, they have not had to experience a loss and, and a loss in a game where they were favored. And so that, that's it's right. been a long time since that's happened. You know, it's one thing to go and lose at Texas. You know, a lot of people expect right. that. Even though we talked about it, Cajuns didn't expect it, but a lot of people did. But this one was unexpected. So uh, it, it, it'll, it's a challenge for the coaches. It's a challenge for the players to be able to, to rise up and mature and and, you know, some of the things that happened out there the last couple of games, we've seen uncharacteristically a bunch of penalties by the Cajuns and stuff. So some of this stuff's going to have to clean up. Yeah. But I anticipate it will. And, look, you're going to ULM. Normally you used to end the season with ULM. Now you're opening right. conference play with them. So see how that goes. Great lesson to be learned. You're 11, 11 and a half point favorite. You go on the road. I think maybe they started to feel good about themselves. Maybe started to maybe take rice a little bit for granted and then once rice got going you keep a team you know, let them get in the game early uh let them get their confidence going now you gotta now you gotta fight on your hands and uh the cage has got to find some offense they got to keep that defense off the field 42 to 18 that's just you can't win games like that you know that you, you just can't win no 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 that's that's, that's what i said during the broadcast i looked at jay across from jay walker our, our uh play-by-play guy in the voice of the cages. I just his name Jay Burns. I just told him said Bert, this is pop on now. This is not good, and it's just uh, you know it's one of those things that that you know yeah, again you, I, I I talk with some people going into and said what do you want to see coming out of the first game and and I, I was just hoping to see that what what is the identity of this football team going to be, and you know what Jordy I, I don't know yet and it's been three weeks and so. I'm, I'm hoping that we we can establish some kind of identity and get things going. I say we because I, I, I'm I'm part of them. You know, I feel affectionate to them and stuff. And uh, and and I'm hoping that we we can see some of that come about this week. And and uh, 
you know, just kind of gradually start to grow to coming back and getting on top of where they need to be. Got a lot of young kids in there that, that, that are coming and going to make some plays. And so, uh, and look, that that fifteen and zero, that that good. You don't have to hear about that no more. That's right. Now you didn't want it. You didn't want it. I'm telling you, you wanted to be. You wanted to be sixteen. I promise you. But, yes. but but now that it's out of there, you don't have to listen to it no more. And look, you you, you got beat up. And so now, how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to get up and fight? Are you going to pout or whatever? So yeah. we'll find out a lot this week. And then, uh, right. you know, I'm, I'm I'm anxious for it. I wish it was a little earlier than the, in the day. You know, seven o'clock. I have to wait around <laughs> till seven to go to Monroe. Yeah. But other than that, I'm I'm, I'm glad we're playing ULM, and I'm I'm excited to see the Cajuns see see what they do this, this weekend. Well, a little slice of humble pie never hurt anybody if that was uh, was needed. But we shall see. But I think there's a quarterback issue that Coach Dez is going to have to solve, and we'll see what he comes up with. But, Gerald Broussard, man, I miss you. Thank you so much. I will not forget you ever again, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you, Jordy. Right, You're my man. friend. Thank you, you, brother. You take care. Gerald Broussard, color analyst on the Raging Cajun Radio Network. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is back in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets. You can lasso a family four-pack of tickets to the Sunday, October 2nd show by simply texting the word RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's our family four-pack of tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll be right back after this timeout on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros. We'll talk McNeese Cowboys next. Stay with us. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we are back and better than ever in 20 minutes after the hour on this Monday, September 19th, the year 2022. One of these days, I'm praying, I will get to talk to Jim Gazzola of the American Press and have something really good to talk about. But alas, poor Yorick, they fell again, this time to the Alcorn State Braves, 30 to 19. Jim, kind enough, brave enough, bold enough to join us yet again, Jim. How you holding up, buddy? How, how's it going? I'm doing fine, Jordy. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing terrific. I uh, really am. I can't say the same for the Cowboys. They uh, you wrote an article, and I want you to explain it. You said the Cowboys are their own worst enemy. So take me through it. What happened this time? Uh, well, I, I I believe they're I called them the ultimate fixer upper on Sunday. Uh, you fix the roof and the windows leak. You fix the windows and the pipes first. Uh, <laughs> and we're finding something new every day. The first two weeks of the season, four penalties in total for 50 yards. Uh, Saturday night, four penalties on the first Elkhorn drive. Oh. So uh, they just, they really did not. Ten, you can't have 10 sacks, you can't have seven penalties. You can't have three turnovers. Ten sacks? Ten? Ten sacks. 
Wow. Was that uh, at 20, wow, for the, the, 20 for the season? Wow. Is, is the quarterback holding all of the ball too much? Does he, I mean, can he run? I mean, uh, what's going on there? Sometimes a little bit of everything. Um, the fact that they have to pass because they're falling behind is really killing yeah. them. Um, yeah. But we are, we are seeing some history repeated. Uh, it's been uh, since 1975, the Gerald Ford presidency, that we've seen McNeese go 0-3 to start a season. Wow. That's a long time ago. Um, they did have some that good moments, right? They, they had a 59-yard touchdown call back for holding. Um, uh, you know, so they're, they're doing some good things, but it, like you said, the turnovers, the penalties, the sacks, it, I mean, golly, sakes alive. You get into situations where they get back into games. Uh, they have a period of time in each game where they've given up 21 straight points in the matter of eight minutes. And in each one of those games, everything's been competitive up until those points. Everything's competitive after those points. But you can't overcome that. And, and that's what's killing them. They got to within 27-19 and the ball after a sack. Get the ball back. Momentum's on their side. Crowd's going crazy. And they throw an interception. Yeah. So, mm. Hey, how, you how was it under the lights? That had to be fun. It was. Uh, it was good. The, the crowd was doubled from what it was in the in the in the uh, last fall. Um, okay. The excitement was there. They even brought the uh, mystery writer back for the first time in six seasons. Um, first time in a thousand days, thousand fifty days, they were under the lights because of the hurricanes. Yeah. There was a lot of excitement. There's a lot of interest. There's still a lot of buzz. But we are we are not even into the rebuilding period yet. We are still in the teardown, and that's the ugly part when you drive by the house and say this will never be fixed. Yeah, um, Jim Gazzola, kind enough to join us. How's Gary Golf holding up? And, and with, with that, with the teardown, you got to you got to tear down before you can rebuild. Um, how, how do you think he's doing? How do you think he's handling all this? Uh, he's disappointed. I think. He he didn't think it was this bad. Um, as I told people in the paper today, don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah. Um, but it was it's bad, and there's so there was so much that goes into why it was bad. From the hurricanes, from the APR mistakes, from the coaching changes, from the lack of uh, leadership at the president level to so the AD level that it's just really starting to be – people are really starting to – we've kind of pulled back the covers to see the mess we have. And now it's cleanup time. And I think he's taking it well, but he's very disappointed. And uh, he thought they'd be further along. But, hey, they threw for 260 yards. They had a running back go for 100 yards for the second time. There are things to build on. Okay. But they can't keep killing themselves. Now, come on, Jim. The Mississippi College Choctaws are coming to Lake Charles. Jim, if not now, when? Uh, if it's not now, we're staring at an 0-11. <laughs> we're staring at the abyss if they don't win that <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know much. dark days are, are, are here for a little while. And you want the sun to come out, but my gosh, if you don't beat Mississippi College, I mean, 
goodness gracious sakes alive. You don't beat, you don't beat Mississippi college and uh, then all bets are off. No, um, (laughs) this is, this is, there's not a lot of must wins in the world in real life. Right. But this is a must win for this program. Oh, this program, the city, the fans, they need it and need it so badly. But you wrote, you said, um, that they're not playing terrible football, but their moments of good are far outweighed by their moments of bad. And that's where I guess you said those 21 zip spurts, they just yeah. end it all. Just, just kill them. They're, they're killers. And it's, it happens so quick. And then you see, you get the feeling that half the team, the team that's been here, not the 58 newcomers, but the 48 that returned, mm-hmm. look at themselves and say, here we go again. And, yeah. and that's, that, is, that is when you're changing a culture that right. is a hard thing to do. And then they come back and they fight back and they score the next 17 points. And you're like, hey, even when they drop, even when the touchdown pass gets called back, you're like, hey, we got a chance. Um, and then something else goes wrong. And it's just, they're just, it's like you're fighting uphill. They've only led, I think, in a football game for four minutes this, game, this season. That's been it. It's been one lead for four or five minutes, and that's it. So they have to find a way to get a lead so that they can run their offense and they can control the game. And I think that'll happen Saturday, but my goodness, if it doesn't look out. Oh, my goodness. I guess the most important question now is, yes, you re- you're re- rebuilding. There's no question. You go on the road in the open, you play a really good Montana State. You go on the road the second game. We saw what Rice did to end the Raging Cajuns' uh, long mm-hmm. win streak. So, but... And, and then you lose to Alcorn at home. I guess the most important question, are you seeing improvement from week one to week two to week three, or is it kind of still going downhill a little bit? No, we're, we're, we, saw, we saw multiple improvements in, in multiple areas on Saturday night. Okay. But the, two, the, the thing we also saw was we saw something we hadn't seen all year, penalties. So yeah. that was a new area we have to clean up. What I'm saying is you fix one and something else goes bad. So now we have to clean up the penalty area. And we still see three three turnovers. You can't live with ten turnovers in three games. You, you just mm-hmm. can't do it. And it, they don't have the ability to go out and make enough plays. They have to play, as, as, I, as I can say, they have to play ahead of the chains. One for 11 again on third down situations. That makes them four for 31 Mm. on third downs this year, Mm. Jordy. Four for Mm. 31. Mm -mm -mm. You can't get your defense off the field if you're going four for 31 on third downs. Yeah, no question about that. Jim Gazzola with us, the American Press. Uh, Deontay McMahon still getting it done, like you mentioned. Um, can we get the ball to him a little bit more? He's at ten carries, one hundred and two yards. Can, can you can you figure out a way to get him the ball a little bit more? Have to give him the ball more, and that's what I mean by don't have those moments where you go from zero zero where you can run the ball to twenty one nothing before you get the ball again. That's what has they they have to be able to control the ball, control some clock, stay ahead of the chains, and dictate and hand the ball off. I think their offensive line is very good. We've mm-hmm. seen it pushing and moving forward. It's not so good when it has to dance on its back pedal and, and protect. Well, I'm hoping Deontay McMahon gets 200 yards on the ground against Mississippi College. I'm sorry, Choctaws, but 
somebody's got to feel the brunt of this, and I think it's going to be you come Saturday night, man, at 7 o'clock. Hey, as the great John McKay said when he gave Ricky Ricky Bell the ball 42 times, the ball ain't heavy. Give him the ball. Give him the ball. (laughs) What what kind of size crowd would you have estimated? You said it was double of what it was a year ago, and I think that's great. It was was announced at 11... um, 11,158, which is starting to get back up to the pre-hurricane numbers. That's great. That Uh, is great. Yeah. Good for them. I don't know what it will be Saturday. Heaven forbid they get this thing right and and they start winning games. And and if the fans are patient enough and let Coach Golf recruit, um, golly, they'll support this team forever. Yes. They will, this, this team, this team will be, this fan base is as good as any in the state outside of LSU will have given a product and support. I love it. I love it. Jim, thank you. One of the, I'm telling you next Monday, I'm going to pop some champagne and we're going to have, we're going to have a toast over zoom or something. Okay. Well, if not, I'm going to be in the witness protection program. (laughs) Again, Mississippi College comes to uh, Lake Charles to take on McNeese. It's a seven o'clock kickoff. Uh, good crowd, and boy, as a team, deserve it and is overdue. Thank you as always, my friend. I really do appreciate it. All right, we'll see you next week. You got it, buddy. My man, um, Jim Gazzolo, try uh, kind enough to uh, to join us. We've had a little change in plans here. One of our guests had to cancel on the last second, so. So we'll just pontificate. But anyway, the NFL's opening week was action-packed. Week two has been terrific. It ends tonight, so you can still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action, well, everyone can experience a thrill, and I mean everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Tonight, bet on any NFL team to win. You got a doubleheader. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if later on your team loses. How about that? So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037 game only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-7867. Week two of the NFL. We already talked about the Saints. We'll talk about some of the other teams, including Tatua here on the Jordy Heldberg Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. 
Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back. 39 minutes after the hour on this Monday, September 19th, the year 2022. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets. You can lasso a family four-pack of tickets to the Sunday, October 2nd show by simply texting the word RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's RODEO, R-O-D-E-O, to 337-283-8100. That's a family four-pack of tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station we had something happen in the nfl for the first time since december the 11th the year 2011 and you're thinking what in the heck could that possibly be well bottom dwellers chuck wood god bless you your detroit lions the jacksonville jaguars and the new york jets all won on the same day now, we've watched these three franchises make poor draft picks, waste careers of all-time great talents, and start names like Tim Boyle and Jake Lutton at quarterback. But in week two, well, baby, how about the turntables? Yes, indeed. The Lions beat the Washington Commanders 36-27. to The Browns, uh, the Jets topped the Cleveland Browns 31-30. to And Jacksonville blanked. Maddie Ice, Maddie Ryan's Indianapolis Colts, 24 to zip. The first time all three teams won on the same day since December the 11th of 2011. They were losers, then they were winners. How about the Arizona Cardinals looking for a quiet flight home from Las Vegas? They trailed the Raiders 20 to zip at halftime had compiled 86 total yards of offense. Kyler Murray completed just six passes for 53 yards and an interception. But all of a sudden, Murray woke up. Arizona outscored the Raiders 23-3 in the second half. He scored a game-tying touchdown as time expired and converted a two-point conversion, one in which he ran a total distance of 85.7 yards to move the ball two yards across the goal line. They win it in overtime holy cow huh man how about how about mike mcdaniel the head coach of the miami dolphins one week after taking down bill belichick for his first career nfl win as a head coach the dolphins coach uh conducted the league's best fourth quarter comeback in over a decade entering the final quarter Miami trailed 35 to 14, 35 to 14 to the Baltimore Ravens. And that's when McDaniel shifted to, hey, let's just draw the play up in the dirt like we did back in the schoolyard. Told, <laughs> told Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, look, go long. None of this five and out, none of these crossing patterns. You go long left, you go long right, two with throwing the ball. And Tyreek Hill said it was like playing Madden. It was like playing Madden. The Dolphins racked up 28 points in the game's final quarter to stun Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens 42-38. to In the fourth quarter alone, Tua completed 13 of 17 pass attempts for 199 yards and four touchdowns. His fourth quarter passing yards 
Nine, um, it was more than nine other starting quarterbacks had piled up in the complete game in week two, including Tom Brady's 190 and Justin Fields' mediocre 70. 70. Early vote, coach of the year, Mike McDonald, McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins. Wow. What a deal, huh? What a deal that was. Um, Aaron Rodgers bounced back. Just, um, it's just good stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo, they lose Trey Lance, and uh, Garoppolo has to come in and gets it done. Gets it done. Um, just another great week of football in the NFL. Of course, the Saints, um, not so great, but uh, it is what it is. Jameis Winston's got to get better. That's all there is to it. Got to get better. Um, plain and simple. So, again, tonight, a double header. Uh, Tennessee is at Buffalo. Buffalo 1-0. The Titans are 0-1. Man, Buffalo's going to win. Josh Allen is just a beast. But the game of the night, and you can hear it here on 103.7 FM, 104.1 FM, two unbeaten teams, Minnesota, Justin Jefferson and company, taking on Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, should be a terrific, terrific, terrific ball game. Um, it's always interesting when a head coach um, – Plans to exercise the appropriate patience with his offense. That's what uh, Mike Tomlin says he's going to do with starting quarterback Mitch Trubisky ahead of their Thursday night matchup with the Cleveland Browns. Trubisky was 21 of 33 for 168 yards with one touchdown and one interception in the 17-14 loss to the New England Patriots, and for the second week in a row, Trubisky rarely took shots downfield. He's averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. 5.1 yards per attempt. You can't win like that. You just can't. So um, patience, okay, whatever. That's, uh, that's the way it is. Um, again, the... Cincinnati Bengals lost on the last play of the game, just like they lost to Pittsburgh 23-20 in week one. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys 20-17. I don't know how Joe Burrow is going to stand up to it, um, but he gets sacked all the time. The Bengals are the first team in the Super Bowl era since 1966 to lose each of their two first games of a season on the final play, on the final play of regulation. Um, and, and, and overtime, the, the first team. Uh, so tough, tough start for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. Um, those are your takeaways. The Packers still own the bears Two were rolls. And for the first time since 2011, the lions, the Jaguars and the jets are victorious on the same Sunday. Good for them. And, uh, how, how do you like Urban Meyer now? Huh. You think Jacksonville's players are thrilled beyond reproach that he is out the door? Nebraska, if you want them, take them. Uh-uh. Not me. Not me. No. And uh, Jacksonville's going, thank you. Thank you for getting rid of that bum. Thank you. 
All right, we'll take our uh, final time out of the day. When we come back, we'll look at uh, the Major League Baseball standings. And the Judge did it again. Another day with two homers. He's caught Babe Ruth. Can he catch Roger Maris? We'll talk about that and wrap things up here. The Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Tigers, and we're also your home for the Houston Astros. We'll be right back. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, we're back. Major League Baseball coming down the stretch. And in the American League, the Astros are 15 games up over the Seattle Mariners. We've got uh, the Cleveland Guardians four games up over the White Sox in the AL Central. The Yankees lead the Toronto Blue Jays by five and a half in the AL East. Over in the National League, uh, a horse race, man. The Mets and the Braves. The Braves trail by one um, to the Mets in the NL East. My St. Louis Cardinals are eight up over the Brewers. Bye-bye, Brew, Brew Crew. And the Dodgers, the first club in the in Major League Baseball to get 100 wins. They're now at 101 and 44, a 70% win clip. They lead the Padres by 21. But all the talk in Major League Baseball is around Aaron Judge. He turned in his best game of this season, an historic season. He had two home runs, a double, a single, drove in four runs, and he's setting himself up to break the American League single-season home run record at home this week. The Yankees beat the Brewers 12-8. to He's got 59 homers, two shy of Roger Maris's AL record, he leads all of baseball with 127 RBIs, and his 316 batting average is one point shy of earning Judge a potential triple crown. His 59 home runs are the most by a right-hand batter in American League history. Hank Greenberg back in 1938 had 58, and Jimmy Fox back in 1932 had 58 as well. Um, an historical, unbelievable season uh to date on sunday he raised his september line to unthinkable numbers he's batting 491 this month a 586 on base percentage a 1.018 slugging percentage he's just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball um yeah just and hitting it deep like 443 feet deep um, so starting Tuesday, the Yankees will play six consecutive games at home, two against the Pirates, four against the Red Sox, culminating with a Sunday night game against Boston, September 25th. Wouldn't it be amazing? They're in a panic chase. There's no question about that, but wouldn't it be great if he could do that at home? He's already tied um, Babe Ruth with 59 homers that the Babe hit back in 1921. The Babe improved to 60 homers in 1927. And Roger Maris, um, back in 1961, hit his 61 home runs for the year. So Judge on pace to get it done, to get it done. Oh, man. It, it's, you know, it's, it's taking me back to McGuire Sosa. Uh, I don't care if they were on steroids or not, because they were. I don't care. They saved baseball. They saved baseball. Now, 
talking about baseball, time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, we thank our guest today, Chris Rose of Glue, the Saints with that uh, oh, that debacle. They, they've got to get some offense. They've got to figure out a way for Jameis Winston to become much more effective if he was hurt. Did they ever consider not playing him because he uh, he just he just wasn't all that terrific? They got to figure out a way. They've got Carolina in Charlotte on Sunday. Um, Glenn West with LSU. Um, uh, they're just a signature win. Boy, their their uh, confidence level through the roof. Now the question that Brian Kelly posed is: Can we handle success? Can we handle it the right way? And we'll see as LSU will host. New Mexico this Saturday at 6.30. We talked with Gerald Broussard. The Cajuns' 15-game win streak is over. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Now they get into Sunbelt Conference play after losing at Rice. They travel up to Funroe to take on ULM, a 7 o'clock start for that. Is there a quarterback issue? I think there is. Coach Dez is going to have to figure out something. Uh, these quarterbacks are looking over their shoulders. You can't have that. you got to play free. You can't play scared to make mistakes. You just can't. Uh, Jim Gazzolo, um, tough loss to Alcorn State. They'll get their first win of the season Saturday as Mississippi College comes to Lake Charles for a 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, they got to stop beating themselves. Turnovers, penalties, uh, sacks allowed. They got to tighten things up, and there's no one better to do it against than Mississippi College. Um, so we shall see. Tomorrow, the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Uh, we'll go around the SEC with Blake Lavelle and more and more and more. We'll recap tonight's two games in the NFL. Buffalo hosting Tennessee and the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Minnesota Vikings. If today is your birthday, September 19th, boy, we wish you all the very best. A happy birthday and uh, some cake, maybe some ice cream uh, and all, all that fun stuff. Believe it or not. The NBA season is right around the corner. And today, Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks um, is 24 years old. If you're a fan of late night television, Jimmy Fallon turns 48 years old today. So happy birthday to all of them and to all of you. Uh, James, thank you so much to all of you. Thanks for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow. I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's be happy. Bye-bye, everybody.